Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. Stein, Stein, Stein. Now Stein, here's the thing. What yeah. one? Uh, I say Stein. I've I, always so said Stein. I've I looked Stein. this up. It's in whatever way I say it in Sondheim, A Brief Chronology. That's the right way to say it. Because I actually did a lot of research to figure okay. out the right way to say I wonder it. wonder if we can... And I'm gonna now, of course, right now. can't remember. Hammerstein pronunciation. I, like, looked him up saying it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I figure he says it right. <laughs> yeah, Stein. I thought so. I, I think okay. it's probably supposed to be Stein as well, if yeah. we're being really, you know, correct. Yeah. Um, of course it's Stein. Of course yeah. it's Stein. Of course Steven it's Stein. Sometimes says Stein. I, th- I mean, people get up in my business all the time about saying names wrong. I think Hammerstein Hammerstein is the bottom of the barrel least offensive offenses yeah. of me mispronouncing a name. Well, Paul Hammerstein out there is going to tell you something <laughs> else about that. But Sorry, Paul. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour Late Night Edition, uh, your weekly <laughs> podcast with champagne and shoe. I can't really think of another sh because I think we've done shuffling. That's still fun though because it's it's alliteration. It's all how it sounds, not how it looks. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, what are you drinking this evening, Thomas? Uh, I've got me a a nice cold glass of sarsaparilla. Uh, yeah, I just had bourbon. <laughs> That's, do, do you have sarsaparilla? In, um, we d- in? we don't. I, I mean, I know what it is because uh-huh. of um, Annie Get Your Gun. Yeah. Uh, as I know most of my American beverages from, <laughs> from, from Annie, Annie Oakley. Yes, uh, exactly. Well, you know, they have the beverage song right in the middle of that musical. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, so okay. what is it? What, is it uh, like root it's beer? Root beer. <laughs> it's um, it's it's bubbly drink. It has a little bit of a, a savory tinge to it. Mm. Um, it was a, a predecessor to Coca Cola, I would say. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's 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 non-alcoholic. Thank Most goodness. Most like this musical. <laughs> 
Exactly. How sweet. <laughs> well, it does feature an alcoholic or, you know, a probable alcoholic. So Probably, yeah. Say what you will. Um, okay. We had Speaking a quiz question of, last week. What was it, Tommy? Our quiz question last week. There is a certain romantic duet which has the royal seal of approval. What musical is this from? It is from the legendary Oklahoma. Dun 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 Oklahoma. Right? That'll be it just be like that. no, I was gonna do I was gonna do a beautiful morning, so Jokes God on, damn it. Joke's on you. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. This musical is by um, Mr. Richard Rogers and Mr. Oscar Hammerstein II. And this is our first Rogers and Hammerstein. Isn't that crazy? Like, I, it's hard for me to picture them not together. Ah, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, I think it's one word. Rogers and Hammerstein. Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah. No spaces. Rogers and Hammerstein. Um, but yeah, how, how have we managed to go a year without doing an R&H? That's, I mean, I, I think it's not really our cup of tea. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> Matt. I love them. But we'll, we'll really? talk about that later. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, um so yeah, this was the first first show that they first, ever wrote together. First first um, collab. Yep, it opened way back in 1943 in the St James Theatre on Broadway, and then premiered over in London in the Theatre Royal in 1947, and had unprecedented success in both mm-hmm. places. In a time where shows ran for 200, 300 performances, the first Broadway production ran for more than two thousand performances exactly exactly over five years yeah that's crazy that's nuts isn't it um and it was revived a couple of times quite mm-hmm. successfully in 1998 in the west end weirdly enough um yep. starring mr hugh jackman of all people uh, of all people um where it transferred that one transferred across the pond and then uh, it, there's a movie of 1955 in 1955, and it's a very faithful reproduction. Rodgers and Hammerstein mm. themselves were big players in the creation of it. So if yeah. you watch the movie, you get a pretty good sense of a pretty good sense of what the original was like. Exactly, and and as as I feel like all of their um, all of their movies, all of their movie adaptations are really really. They, you know, they stick. They stick to the source material. Yeah. Well, and they were um, maybe maybe we'll talk about this a bit more later. But mm. they were um, Roadhouse movies, so they were toured around to different theaters and presented with the same kind of pomp and circumstance that you would a normal musical. Yeah. So they would like have an intermission and show it three times throughout the day, and like people would dress up to go see them. It was it was a big deal. Exactly. Exactly. So very good. Um, so what what is Oklahoma? With an exclamation point. Oklahoma, starting the long tradition of ending musical titles with an exclamation point. Absolutely. Fiorello, Hello Dolly. <laughs> oh. Not fame. Not, Not fame. fame. No exclamation point there. Um, Oklahoma is, I mean, in its broadest sense, is a uh, take on um, territorial Oklahoma and its journey into becoming a state and mm-hmm. the story of maybe two sets of love interests that... 
are in that era. That's a nice nice way of putting it. Yeah, Yeah, it's about... Yeah, it's about the the territories. Yeah, it's a it's about Oklahoma territory. It's about um, the differences between cowboys and farmers, and kind of a good old fashioned love story mm-hmm. with a little bit of murder thrown in for good measure. With, with a t- I forgot how dark some parts of this story are. It's so dark. It's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. and like very. I mean that this. Again, we'll probably get into this <coughs> in, a, in a smidge, but this has never been seen before. Yeah, and it, it turns on a dime a little bit too, um, sometimes between its its happiness and its darkness. So we've got who our 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 dynamic duo, Curly and Lori. 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 Yes. Lori. Which is I know males called Lori, and it always yeah. confused me. Yeah. So. No, Lori's a girl. Curly's a guy. Yeah. Um, Curly's in love with Lori for sure. Lori can't make up her mind, oddly. Yeah, but she's she's pretty like she's 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 there. She you know what I mean she she wants to. She wants but to. But he's he's a cowman. So yeah, he's and the farmers and the cowman. They well, can they be friends? We'll find out. Um, <laughs> to be discussed. <laughs> uh, but also is the like evil with a capital E Judd Fry. Yeah. The the farm hand on Aunt Eller's farm. Aunt Eller is Lori's aunt. But also mm-hmm. everyone else's custodial. Uh, she is no, that's the matriarch. Yes, um, she's the mother to the town. Um, but Jed Fry is a dirty old farmhand who's got his eyes on Lori, mm-hmm. and and also is out to get Curly. Yep, for getting his eyes on Lori. Yeah, uh, and kind of our B plot mm-hmm. is uh, Miss. Edo Annie, the delightful Edo Annie. The delightful Edo Annie. It's I, really more than anything. I think Edo Annie and Will Parker have entered the common parlance as just references towards a type, even more than Curly yeah, and Laurie. Exactly, exactly. They were the the pioneers. Yeah. So um, to use to use the term, Edo Annie. Edo Annie famously can't say no. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she uh, um, when a when a guy starts to kiss her, sometimes she she just can't say no, and so exactly. she's I got know that. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Sometimes when I lost, when I lose a wrestling match, it kind of feels like I won. She's got great, great messages for the girls out there. Absolutely, slash um, sarcasm. Yeah. Um, so, well, um, Will has been away in Kansas and big modern fancy Kansas with its, mm-hmm. um, you know, gas buggies going by themselves. And it's uh, like the technological future. Exactly. Um, she's been having it off with Mr. Ali Hakim, who is the, a, a a peddler from uh, from Syria. Persia, from yeah. from non-specific, slightly racist depi- more than slightly racist depiction India. Mm. Um, and so all oh, and chaos and hilarity ensues. Exactly. Hooray! Hooray! They auction um, off lunch boxes. We dance. There's a marriage. Someone gets murdered. In the movie, we light a haystack on fire, and lots of talk about selling things and buying things. Exactly. Exactly. What more really, do you want? Really, I think Monopoly the musical is just a spin-off of Oklahoma. Well, um, I'll, be, I'll I'll wait and see. Maybe it won't <laughs> be set in Oklahoma. Maybe it will be set in like Maine. <laughs> I don't know. Everything's like a dream in Kansas City. It's better than a magic lantern show. You can turn the radiator on whenever you want some heat. 
With every can of comfort, every house is all complete. You can walk to privies in the rain and never wet your feet. They've gone about as far as they can go. Yes, sir! Everything's up to date in Kansas City. They've gone about as far as they can go. Let's let's talk a bit about you know Oklahoma is well known to be one of the the main is the cornerstone almost of of musical theater. Absolutely. And um, this I mean this is why we're talking about it. This is in some ways arguably the genesis of this art form we now know and love. Exactly, exactly. Um, so it, it's really, it's been heralded as the first proper book musical, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, the 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 kind of uh, landscape that we see on Broadway in the West End and everywhere else right. um, where musical theatre is being created. That's yeah, what I we mean, see now. We see it, book musicals for it, the most it, part. It is the art form. The art form that came mm-hmm. before, the things that would have been musical-esque before Oklahoma and Showboat yep. to an extent are not recognizable by today's standards. People don't perform things like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like oh, there were there were kind of hints towards it. Obviously, we had um, things like you know Pal Joey, mm-hmm. um, and it, 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 were but they were really just a collection of songs. Yeah. The, um, so the the tradition of like musical performance on stage briefly and unspecifically was kind of these vaudeville music hall performances mm-hmm. where it was a variety show there were a bunch of different acts there were you know comedic vaudeville shtick acts there were songs there'd be dance there'd be ballet sometimes just kind of woven together but not not really one piece of show per se no no and it was well it was mr hammerstein mm-hmm. um, when he teamed up with um jerome kern and they made showboat Mm-hmm. I guess that was the first time kind of on stage where people were like, huh, I'm not laughing. This yeah. is weird. Yeah. Um, and it it kind of laid the or opened the gate so the Oklahoma and musical theater could walk through it yeah. effectively. And, and where, where Showboat certainly had a book, had a plot, had a bunch mm-hmm. of songs and dance numbers tied together for the first time, yep. Oklahoma did that. And was wildly successful. Yeah, and I think I think where Oklahoma is different is that you know the songs interweave, you know, it all interweaves yeah. together. It's it's a proper harmony of um, music, book, and dance. Yeah, all and it, together. It seems so ridiculous and pedestrian to talk about today because it's such the standard. But the fact that like you had a scene, and then the scene turned into a song, and then exactly. at the end of the song was another scene still related to the yeah. song. Like that was brand new. That was a mm-hmm. creative and revolutionary idea mm-hmm. around this time. And here were characters, you know, going on this really distinct arc. Mm-hmm. You know. People were making choices and going on journeys, um, and not just one or two. We're talking, you know, all all of the characters um, for the most part. For the most um, part, would would have that. Um, so yeah, I think one of the one of the first, I guess, revolutionary points of it um, comes in the opening number. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, with oh what a beautiful morning. You know, the stage opens and there's a woman turning butter. Uh, and in walks Curly, uh, mm-hmm. and he sings a really lovely, um, just a nice happy song about yep. uh, walking in the morning. Yep. Um, and that and it, had never been seen before. Nope. And it totally <laughs> right. still like it sets up so many things. We I don't remember which podcast we talked about it upon, but like the first couple lines determine the rest of your show. 
Oh, what a beautiful mm-hmm. morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. That's Absolutely. Oklahoma. That's, that's the it. whole show. That's Everything ends up going Curly's way. Like That's mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> one of the big theses of the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, normally what would have happened in the opening of the show, you'd have big, brashy colors, lots of lovely women running on stage and singing a big opening grab you by the balls chorus yeah. number. Yeah. Um, and, and here we were, you know, in, in rural Oklahoma. Um, yeah, like, very exciting. like we're setting a setting. We're not just in a music hall anymore. Although Absolutely. I will say, I do find it wonderfully interesting. The Because this is such an early musical, the play up between the um, diegetic and non-diegetic nature of some of the songs, mm-hmm. like even Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, um, Curly says a bunch of times like, oh, Ann Eller, I'm just singing to you. Here I go. Yeah. I'm going to sing again. And like, yeah, exactly. It is interesting yeah, and that um, when, when Will comes back as well in, in Kansas City, he's like, well, I'm going to sing about it, guys. Exactly. It's like, mind. here, let's do this dance. Like, <laughs> exactly. and this is still a step towards non-diegetic music like this is still in the realm of non-diegesis for the time period exactly exactly um they were really trying something out there yeah um which is is absolutely fine so um basically oklahoma was kind of born in a a very interesting time i Mm -hmm. think and i think this is one of the main reasons why it was very successful yeah so it was kind of penned or or hoped to be created by the Theatre Guild, which is basically like the uh, kind of, again, cornerstone of, of theatre in America. They wanted to make um, a musical out of the play um, that wasn't very successful um, called Green Grow the Lilacs. Green Grow the Lilacs? The, the territories. Um, yeah. And... Uh, they yeah they wanted this play. They kind of knew who they wanted to get. They wanted um, Rogers and Hart, who were mm-hmm. known to be you know the writers of musicals. That's yeah. what they did, um, and they were they were the best you could get. But um, Lawrence Hart uh, was coming kind of to the end of his time. Mm-hmm. Um, was you know, suffering through alcoholism and, and not having a good time. So they kind of kept on uh, Richard Rogers and um, Hart kind of left him to go find a um another collaborator yeah um and you know and they found oscar hammerstein so the the two they'd never worked together before Mm -mm. um i think they'd met like once before back in the past um Uh but this was you know this was a a huge risk yeah there's a huge risk putting these two unknowns who were great in their fields irrespectively um but not never together before Never exactly. So there was no on paper. This wasn't going to work, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Um, and and turning you know a, a kind of a non-comic piece into right. into a musical, piece of musical comedy. Theater. Yeah, exactly. That again, this was they were doing some some risky things, but yeah, um, you know they were they were really financially struggling at that point. So I think they were they were hoping for. A yeah. miracle, I guess. Yeah, we're we're also so 1943 America. We are in the middle, near the end of World War II. Yeah, and so there's a that has a whole big effect on the psyche, which definitely trickled down into theater world. You know, exactly. we we need this escape. We need this kind of idealism, but music hall fluffy vaudeville isn't quite going to cut it anymore. 
I think that's it. And it was something I, I guess I only really realised it while I was researching this, but it, you know, I think Pearl Harbor was something like sixteen months or something before um, Oklahoma was premiered. Yeah. Um, so it's still extremely fresh in everyone's minds. Yeah. Um, and I think people, it was almost like America was just ready to grow up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's enough yeah. of this fun time nonsense. Let's actually, you know, make a point. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting melding because musical theater itself is still escapism, right? Mm-hmm. At this time, we're not like super, super in-depth shining a magnifying glass on what's going on right now. We're still hearkening back to, you know, when Oklahoma's becoming a state. Um, but exactly. there's there's definitely a tinge of something more serious there. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're, we're still not in a completely idyllic 1890s, you know, turn of the last century Oklahoma. Exactly, and I think that it just yeah, in, in that way that the world was just ready for something just a bit more grown up. And yeah. it's weird thinking of Oklahoma as grown up because it's right. still extremely idealistic and yeah. and a lot of fun. But by there's, today's there's standards, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. By today's standards, it's it's piff. But um, there's a lot of darkness like we said before in mm-hmm. Oklahoma yeah. um the show and i think you know it's it's that way like people wanted to kind of lift the veil on this now they didn't want to necessarily just go and see everyone either falling in love or comedians falling over and hitting their face and things yeah. like that they wanted to see almost a bit more of reality yeah and it's i mean theater. The, it's it's a musical of two love stories, and they're they're dirty, messy love stories. They're yeah. not, you know, Prince Charming. They're we're we're closer to Romeo and Juliet. Like there, there's it points it like doesn't pretend there aren't problems in the world, which is exactly. a new thing for this kind exactly. of musical vaudeville comedy entertainment. Totally, and I think it, it, I find it really interesting that on its opening night. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't sell well. You no. know, I mean, it wasn't sold out by any stretch. Um, but through reviews and word of mouth, I think it was the next night they had queues around the block. Yeah. And, and very, very soon after, it was completely sold out. Yeah. Um, and that just popular. goes to show how, how much people were needing this and how much people were wanting this. I find it so interesting that it, it, it was literally like a spark that, you know, ignited something really special. Yeah, absolutely. What happens now? Just keep your hand in mine. Your hand feels so grand in mine. people say we're in love. Starlight looks well. Obviously, Oklahoma in in the forties makes yeah. a lot of sense. It yep. was huge and revolutionary. Yeah. Um, if you go see Oklahoma now, it don't Why? feel the first bit revolutionary. Right. Exactly. It feel like now it feels nostalgic and fluffy mm-hmm. and 
feel good and almost like a piece of operetta and much exactly. less like, you know, Dear Evan Hansen or Next to Normal. Like mm-hmm. we've come a long way in a long, more long way. in like more than half a century. Yeah. So like it's 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 very much it's become the escapism that it was running away from. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is interesting. Absolutely. Um so like what's I mean, what's your experiences of Oklahoma? I mean, I it's like Oklahoma to me is important, but not it's not a musical I listen to in my mm-hmm. spare time. You know? It's important to know where you came from. It's important to understand the history. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's important that everyone listen to Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. I don't recommend Oklahoma as like a shining star on the hill example of musical theater. Like right. It's fluffy and presentational and bland and by today's standards, mm-hmm. um, by, you know, where we are now. And I do, like, it is interesting to me that even the 90s set of revivals were as successful as they were in the 90s. I suspect they're more with the older crowds, with the kind of nostalgic theater-going crowds. You know, the the Spring Awakening teenage crowd, I don't think you could ever mm-hmm. convince to go to Oklahoma without some serious concept or rewrites or you know you cast Hugh Jackman right exactly like there's the 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 star appeal there too exactly. but even then I mean Curly yeah he said he wasn't Wolverine then no he yeah. wasn't Wolverine and Curly doesn't do a lot in this musical yeah but he's still there he's still, he's still looking pretty yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but no I because I I don't know I I really love it I yeah. really love it it's it's my favorite is it my favorite yeah it's my favorite Roger and Hammerstein I could say um, I, it's probably my. Uh, it'd be a toss up between this and Cinderella. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. For me, it'd be a toss up between this and Sony Music. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoy going to watch Oklahoma. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoy going to watch it. I. It's one of those shows that if I see it in my local theater, yeah, I'd go. Okay. Kind of regardless of who's doing it, uh-huh. um, because it's difficult to get wrong. Yeah, it is very hard to do wrong. It's do you know what I, I mean, mean, this is one of those shows that's like super popular with Amdram and high school productions. And, Absolutely. Because it is, I mean, <laughs> big asterisk next to this, but it is inoffensive. It is like super, <laughs> like it's Oklahoma. We're doing Oklahoma. Yeah. Who could possibly have a problem with us doing Oklahoma? Asterisk. Right me but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah exactly i think that's the thing is it's like it has it's almost become a good muse- a strong museum piece yeah exactly I guess. It, it is it is a period piece of two periods this is the interesting thing about all pieces of dramatic work but we see it in our world too is every performance piece every book every piece of art that's created has two eras the Mm -hmm. era it's set and the era it was created in Mm -hmm. and oklahoma is a representation of both of those so of like 1890s 1900s oklahoma Mm -hmm. and of you know early 1940s new york america urban life um which is super interesting like it is certainly also kind of a dumbed down depiction of country life and we're doing some mocking here from the urban new york rogers and hammerstein perspective Mm -hmm. um which i think is really fascinating and it's not something 
like that is a that is a meta story that is a story mm. outside of the play and is not something that is represented just on stage itself mm-hmm. i uh, mean is it I mean, is it uh dumbing down because if you think of i mean i obviously i am not from america so yeah. my ex, you know i am the kind of person that buys into the stereotype because it's what i see right but if, if i think of you know if i think of westerns and if i think of all of the fiction that i've taken in of yeah. you it's, know the territories and in, in that era then it feels uh-huh. very relevant it feels it feels correct so the the song you have to look at most is kansas city um uh-huh. this is a mockery of how behind the times territorial Oklahomans were and uh-huh. is a pseudo mockery of how behind the times Western states are considered by urban areas, both in the 1940s and I would say now. Um, right. Like everything's up to date in Kansas City. You know, they have all the modern conveniences. And the joke is, us 1940s know that, like, yeah. oh, yeah radiators of course oh yeah Uh telephones of course this is not it's like you know everything's if we were like everything's up to date in denver colorado Uh they've got rotary telephones like as we sit here laughing with our edibles (laughs) exactly like as we you know sit here with our iphones like yeah um it's but is but i don't i still don't see that as a mockery though because i'm sure you know, I, in those days when people weren't traveling as much and were I don't, just staying where they were. I don't were. think it, it is, I don't assert that it is a all and all, all and out intentional mockery. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I th- it's, it's definitely, it's definitely supposed to be a comedy. So it's not supposed to be sincere. Right. Um, and it is supposed to have that point of view of, oh, I'm looking at the past. Right. And, oh, look and how it, much we've come on. But I would say for them and that, you know, and, and when I say them, I mean like uh, Will and Anne Eller, mm-hmm. like... It, it would be exciting and it would be right. dramatic because it was a different time. You know? And and when, so then my assertion is when that's the, the story you pick to tell in 1943 New York, mm-hmm. you're pointing out, you're, you know, whether intentionally or not, you're saying, look at how simple these people were. Simple, dumb, simple, insulting. But not, see, I, that's, see, that's the thing is I don't, I don't think it is dumb. Huh. I, I, I don't, I just think it's, I mean, it, they didn't have as much technology, yeah. sure, um, but I don't see it as stupid. I don't, I don't, I just find it exciting, Okay, I guess. You know, I join in with their excitement, like the whole town yeah. joins in together in excitement yeah. of being up to date in Kansas City that they all start dancing. Like, I, yeah. I don't know, I, I think that's... I mean, I would, I would wait, like, I would qualify this as 1940s shade, where we're, we're trying really hard to, uh, like, read these people and make sure it's very covert and that they don't understand the insult while we snicker in the background like right. i think I, I i think you got duped but who knows maybe but i'm do you not think there, but do you not think there is a truth like to it i realize we're laboring the point here but do you not think right. there is a truth to it that you know i'm an elderly woman uh-huh. living who i've lived my whole life in the mm-hmm. territories i don't really know what technology they've got yeah you know. i mean i right but it's still because it's a mockery like I get so the sticking point is you don't think we're calling them stupid and I do, um, uh-huh. and the thing I don't know if this is an Amerocentric thing or something I've picked up on just recently because of lots of current events. But mm-hmm. there is a 
I would say a dangerous stereotype of the dumb Southerner, of the dumb mm. Westerner in America that this perpetuates, started, that creates for a lot of separatism in the mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we're very far away from Oklahoma. The we are, now. we are. Um, but um, yeah, it may be... Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll discuss it on Reddit. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we need to talk about other things, but um, it's an interesting one. It's an it interesting is interesting. One. I do. Um, I do think there's a lot of exterior commentary from the time period this was made in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm a I'm a I'm a Brit, I'm a Brit so it's <laughs> a different experience for me. Um, completely. Ain't nobody gonna slug out anything. This here's a party. Sing it, Andrew. Dum diddy um dum dum. The farmer and the cowman should be friends. All the farmer and the cowman should be friends. Teach you all a little saying and learn these words by heart the way you should. I don't say I'm no better than anybody else, but I'll be damned if I ain't just as good. But basically, so one of the things that I think is interesting about Oklahoma uh-huh. is, you know, you can't really, like I was saying before, you can't really go wrong. You also can't really do that much yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, but not that people haven't tried, which I think is very interesting. And I think a lot of people really, especially nowadays, uh-huh. in, in certain amateur productions I've seen and other ones that I've read about, uh-huh. um, they really try and dig to make a, a strong statement here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. really what it is, is the statement, it, it's not there. It's not to be found. We weren't, we weren't ready in musical no. theatre for that yet. For that. And so it's just not in the text. I mean, it's, exactly. oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything is going my way. That's as deep as it gets. Really. Exactly. Yeah, completely. I mean, obviously, it you know, it does deal with some dark themes and everything, but it's not, you know, we're not looking at race and race relations in the right. territories or, you know, or male female relationships or you know relationship like marriage relationships we're not exactly. really taking a deep dive into those things yeah we're really really not but um so i, I read on wikipedia about the 2012 siasa production uh, did yeah. you read about that one yet i did not so D- basically i will tell so remember <laughs> i can't remember what ep it was but one of the ones we were talking about race or mm-hmm. fave top um <laughs> but it was the one and I was telling <coughs> about the ragtime production yeah. where they cast a black man as, as the grandfather. Yeah. And how inappropriate that was. Mm-hmm. Well, the 2012 Seattle production of Oklahoma uh-huh. uh, cared to take that a step further um, oh, by no. casting a black man as Judd Fry. Oh, oh boy. Uh, 
yeah and that opens up a whole kind of world yeah so this so, uh, i mean so this is i think this ties with another subject further down which i'd like to talk about mm-hmm. is some of the dated representations in this mm-hmm. um and but you're right that does open a whole interesting can of worms of having the hired labor on a farm the hired who, labor on a farm who's hated by everyone who you know is drunken and evil and right. goes to assault the the lovely daughter of the farm yeah. and who is you know cajoled into hanging himself uh by the you know resident cowboy right um and at the end dies and nobody there's no justice for it right you know what i mean it's yeah. literally the opposite of <laughs> right of well, what you would want to say like and and so i think the implied question is is that okay right are they allowed to it not are they allowed but is that an appropriate thing to do right right exactly so i think to answer that question we have to talk about ali hakim right um the persian peddler mm-hmm. the persian yeah. traveling salesman okay yeah persian up until like maybe 1995 played by a white white man yep a white non-persian man and is persian just for the comedy of it mm-hmm. is persian just so you know he can get kicked around and pooped on a bunch um mm-hmm. like it is and be devious yeah it is subtle institutionalized racism this is i mean i don't think it's subtle well so like (laughs) i don't i don't think it's subtle either but it's not like this is the kind of insidious racism that has done awful things for our country and our and the world Mm, Um, absolutely like they're not making him persian to make a point about how persians are something right Mm -hmm. they're making him persian because it's just an easy stereotype and they didn't even think about it it was just oh of course of course that's how it is and Mm -hmm. so i think the question of casting judd fry as a black man in more contemporary in 2012 is somewhat tied to how you view ali hakim as portrayed as a racist white man. Well, what I would say to that is one is in the text. Yeah. And one isn't. That's true. Uh, yes. And so then I wonder, like, was that one... I think you could find an argument. I'm still not taking a side on this, but I think you mm. could find an argument that there is some implication of Judd being a marginalized, you know... Uh, African American, a, mm. a black person in territorial Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a bunch of weird, muddled connotations with that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think like Oscar and uh, 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 oh my god, I don't think Rogers and Hammerstein sat down and had that conversation. I don't think they sat down and were like, "This guy's a black guy, but we're gonna have him be a white guy so that it's yeah. we don't get in trouble." Like I, that's well, not I mean, what I'm, I'm pretty saying. sure. I'm pretty sure in the source material, he's not black either. Yeah. And we're we're kind of, you know, we're in the West, not in the South. We're in a different time period. Like, mm-hmm. this is not, you know. But it was, you know, like you said, this it was an insidious uh, right. thing in America. Do you yes. know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and so I so, do, I think it is an interesting choice. And certainly sends a message. It makes Judd 
less of a bad guy if that's the choice you made. It it does, but it makes everyone else look demonic. Um, yeah. And that isn't what the sh- you know. I mean, I wouldn't leave that show being right. like, "Oh, Oklahoma." Yeah. Like I you're, would be you're like, sending really weird mixed message there. Like exactly. It, that's um, no longer "Oh, what a beautiful morning." Oh, what a beautiful day. <clears throat> exactly. And if that's the kind of story that you want to tell, I yeah. wouldn't choose Oklahoma to right. tell that story. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, but right, let's go back to Ali Hakim. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like I think where you know it's almost like a um shylock and the merchant of venice yes. kind of thing yes. um only you know ali hakim doesn't have his moment of being able to justify himself right uh you know that, i guess that's where it differs from the shakespeare yeah, um, yeah. but it's it, it is again it's at that time mm-hmm. there'd be no issue with it right it wouldn't be i mean <laughs> it's it's weird to say, but it's kind of before like racism was invented. Um, Certainly, racism in America, you know, America. Yeah, like not um, not that it didn't exist, but before there were large swaths of people who would be not okay with this. Exactly, exactly. Um, which doesn't excuse it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and makes doing revivals of Oklahoma tricky. Definitely, definitely. Because um, certain, certainly it's not outside the realm of possibility that there was a Persian trader around the Oklahoma Territory at this time mm-hmm. who kind of just, you know, got in trouble with a bunch of fathers all the time and was mm-hmm. accidentally betrothed to a couple different women. Like, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. But it's the insidious institutional racism that's behind the whole thing. Exactly. That, like, you, you want, like, a 16-paragraph program note to explain away the whole thing and at that point we're not off for a nice night of musical comedy anymore exactly exactly um and it's especially because well the way that it would have been i guess um it's one race in a sea of white people yes exactly he is he is the outsider and they use his race to that end exactly exactly and it is a race thing yeah 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 um so I guess in in that respect, it's extremely dated yes. and uh, definitely controversial. Yeah, but nowadays. Does so? Does that mean that you can't do it? I mean, I, if if Hugh Jackman in 1995 prove <laughs> anything, no. Um, yeah, I I think there are ways if if you appropriately racially cast, if you mm-hmm. you know, and then I think you can like we do in a lot of revivals of classics mm-hmm. you know we it's the beauty of theater we are more flexible with our pre-established texts we can mm-hmm. fix some of these things and i mm-hmm. think that's the right choice i think it is better to write them to be more culturally and racially respectful nowadays than the argument of like well that's what the authors intended like mm-hmm. that's what those authors intended but we are new authors recreating this piece and i think especially in these cases we should be allowed to pick and choose and mold and craft and you know make it fit more contemporary conceptions of these sort of things yeah I mean, I I certainly wouldn't want to take it on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know like, I mean? It's it's a difficult conversation to have, especially because it's such a, a fluffy piece. Like, this is the problem. Exactly. This was the big asterisk by you know, no one's going to say no to Oklahoma. Like mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the Persian yeah, no, people completely. at your school should. Like, yeah, but that's it's like you can you don't need to make Ali Hakim 
as dark as he necessarily comes across. Do you know? What I mean, he is very yeah. much the comic relief. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in in the show alongside Will, he's right. not he's not the villain. No. Um, and so, so there's, there's not it's not marginalization in that respect, but right. it's just some little ears. Yeah, that, just tiny little ones, and like those are absolutely the ones. Just fix them. No one will know. Like mm, just fix exactly. it. No one will care. Yeah. Just, like yeah. we can. The reps can do will this be better. in that night. You can just do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. You know. I mean, the thing is, it's one of the saddest things about it is it's one of the very few um, representations of Middle Eastern exactly people in in musical theater, which yeah. is really sad. <laughs> yeah, and, and like to to then try and write it out is Others even with worse. Shotguns. Ah! 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 Well, what other messages and things, Tommy, do you think are included in your asterisk? <laughs> so I would the next one I really want to talk about because it was in that um, your favorite book slash maybe your least favorite book, The Great White Way. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about the lack of American Indian representation in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. the musical. And this is like a big historical thing. When the cowboys and the farmers are settling the Oklahoma Territory, mm-hmm. the, the thing we're not talking about, they're settling it and pushing all of these native people out of their lands. Like, right. that is a big part of the moving west of American history. Mm-hmm. And none of it is in this musical. Mm. There is not a single American Indian character. And mm-hmm. like... It's easy to say, like, well, you know, that's not the story they wanted to tell. But we're we're in historical fiction land. Like, there's representation to be had here. And, like, the reason the West was dangerous to the white man was because of these Native people. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there are sideways and outside references. The reason, like, cowboys exist and carry guns is because... Of American Indians, yeah. and since that all is present in this musical, it's a big slight not to include it. But 1940s, of course, of course, they didn't include exactly, it. Like, exactly, exactly. That's the caveat to all of this. Isn't yeah, it? it's that... it's it's not me saying like, well, we need to write in an American Indian chorus into mm. Oklahoma. Um, yeah. It's but it is important to acknowledge that these are the pieces that are missing. Mm. Oh, definitely. Um, it, it's one of the, again being being a Brit. Yeah, it's not necessarily the first thing that springs to our mind because we mm-hmm. never get you know we don't get taught about the territories right. and you know the advancement of the United States yeah. in our history class. You've um, you've lived on your land since time immemorial, literally. Exactly, I think literally since zero. Yeah, day. I mean, there it, it's there are there are clauses in like all of the the UK text that says like we live here because we've just lived here since before we can remember. Exactly, exactly. And, like, that's not the American experience. 
not at all. Um, so it, it, I guess that isn't, you know, again, if I'm watching Oklahoma, I'm not mm. thinking, hey, where are all the Native Americans gone? Right, um, exactly. I'm thinking, hey, this is fun. Um, yeah, right. And, you know, you the, the, the it's a really sordid history that probably you don't want in your nice comical night out at the theater. Right. Yeah, it's almost like there's a time and a place. Right. Exactly. Because I think, to be honest, in that day, if, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein decided to go out and make this hugely moralistic musical about the territories and how right. that was affecting Native American culture, yeah. A, it probably, probably wouldn't have done as well. No, nope. um, absolutely and B, not. <laughs> Be musical theater would not have been the time to do that, right? Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely, um, because and musical theater was the home of kick lines. Yeah, and yeah, and even if they had done it with the best of intentions, it still would have, would have ended up completely racist by today's standards. Yeah, um, exactly. if Ali Hakim is anything to go by, exactly. Um, so I guess that's the thing: is you can't can you can you really say, you know, Oklahoma bad? For right. yeah, for doing that because yeah. I I don't think so, especially in this one. I don't think Oklahoma bad for doing this. This is yeah. more of like, hey, listener, Oklahoma is marked as a big standard of what we consider like the traditional American story, American history, and mm-hmm. you know there are other stories there that we need to remember. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Like, and and if I think I if I think about Oklahoma, I don't think of it as you know, oh, you want to learn about American history, go see Oklahoma, because it is literally right. like yeah. a minutiae but, of... But, but that's the thing. This, <clears throat> like, yes, and that's the problem. This mm. is one of the things I feel so strongly about musical theater. Because it is right. so fluffy, because it is so innocuous, that makes its representation all the more important. Like, mm-hmm. if you did go to Oklahoma to learn about history and this was missing, then people would acknowledge it more. Then people would be like, ah ha but here's the thing that you don't notice. But yeah. because, oh ho-hum, it's just this quaint night at the theater, it just becomes a part of the narrative. It just slips in super easy without anyone questioning it. Definitely, but it took us a long time to get there on the musical theater stage. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, it, it took it took us to to well, I guess to Fiddler. It took us about twenty yeah. odd years before we started discussing. You know, hey, there's some problems in the world. Yeah, let's look at it through a musical lens. Yeah, that's um, true. I would say, yeah, you know, I mean, there are, there are Nazis in the Sound of Music. Yeah, but you know, Nazis bad. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> much I mean? easier. Just like Nazis bad, done. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, that, there's not really much grey area needed there. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Fiddler starts to talk about other things and, right. you know... Yes, more culturally nuanced items Exactly. Nazis bad. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, and... Yeah, so uh, you've also brought up mental health. Now, what I am intrigued to see what you mean by this. So this, I think... I, <laughs> I find depictions in Oklahoma fascinating from a a Uh meta-analysis standpoint um judd fry to me is one of the very few bad guy with a capital b evil with a capital e characters in literature in musical theater um you know most other villains save perhaps snidely whiplash and like super melodramatic mustache twirling top hat top hat wearing like caped guys yeah and it's it's sort of like there's there's no one like him in, in like natural fiction and yeah. like in in real for, fiction <laughs> for for how nuanced and like um what's the word 
representational, realistic, exactly. realistic this, yeah. this show is, Judd Fry has no reason to be the way he is. Mm. Like, or at least not as represented on stage. Mm-hmm. Judd Fry is just kind of mean and evil and lecherous, and we just say yes to that. Mm-hmm. And we don't be like, but how did he get there? And mm-hmm. as we know from being humans on this earth, no one wakes up in the morning wanting to be the bad guy. Um, yeah. And so I think it is an, int- like, this is, this would be my way into Oklahoma, um, at least as a case study. Maybe not as a, as a, as a, full-fledged production but the mental health of judd fry how did he get to be the way he is how does he not see that the whole town disagrees with the way he treats women the way he exists like i think there's something to it's an interesting you know i I am by no means qualified to psychoanalyze a (laughs) musical theater character Uh uh-huh Nevertheless, I think it's interesting to talk about or explore or even just ponder Judd Fry's mental health. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that that character of the kind of resentful loner yeah. um, with violent tendencies is really prominent in fiction. I guess that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's many, many examples. Yeah. Um, and I think... In Oklahoma, this has turned into cats. How did this happen? You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, tell me part two. Yeah, but in Oklahoma, uh-huh. you know, there's there's a lot to be dealing with, and yeah. they just don't have the time to focus yeah. on. No, absolutely. You know what yeah. different is. I actually, it's one of those because because one of the things that RNH are extremely good at doing is writing and crafting complex characters uh-huh. um, with shades. Yeah. Uh, because if you think of someone like Captain Von Trapp, okay, right? yeah, um, or even um, the the King of Siam, like yeah. these are these are stern, hardened men um, mm-hmm. who kind of become warm um, yeah. and and go on that journey. But they start off as these as very cold and yeah, yeah, very cold and uninviting. And it's almost just like well, Judd Fry could be them, but just doesn't get the opportunity to right. Instead, be he warmed. falls on his knife and. Yeah, a, a poorly delivered metaphor, um, right? Because the thing, do you know, it was weird because I was listening to when I was listening to Cash Recording, uh-huh. um, and I was listening to Judd Fry is dead, uh-huh. and it was like Curly's a dick. Yeah, <laughs> like, Curly's a dick. Curly's an absolute dick. Because like, well, I was gonna say like because um, you know, obviously Judd does awful, awful things and is very mean to Laurie. Correct. Right. Right, um, and I'm sure there's reasons somewhere yeah. In, yeah. The, in the meta. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, telling someone to go kill themselves, yeah, isn't is not necessarily cool. the nicest thing to do, right? And <laughs> whoever in, they are, in the so all we have is the story on stage, right? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, in the story on stage, by the time um, Curly, you know, is telling Judd to kill himself. We actually haven't seen Judd be that bad. Yes, that is very true. You're just kind of told, oh, Judd Fry is an, a nasty man. Right. Um, and, like, we're told most of that in, uh, what is it? Poor Judd is dead. Old Judd is dead. I never yeah, remember poor, the names of these Yeah, poor Judd Fry is dead. Yeah. Poor Judd Fry is dead. Like, we hear most of how Judd is a bad guy from the song where Curly's telling him to go kill himself. Yeah. And in an ironic sense, like, oh, people are going to be so sad when you die. Right. Oh, yeah. it's going to be awful when you die. Like, that's yeah. horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> that's I mean, like, horrible. A- again, we we are throwing shade. Um, <laughs> like, 
that is <laughs> it's really what's happening there um but but I, then I, it's it's like you know when he goes and then sings lonely room it, it to me it makes sense to me it's like yeah. um you know it could be the it's the phantom of the opera yeah it's um the beast from beauty and the beast like yeah it's that character going into his dark place yeah um and you know backed up by a very dark premonition in a dream ballet yeah it's he's got he's got no hope he's got no hope like you know I, what I mean? right exactly like it you know i so want judd fry's backstory exactly. I so i so want to know like someone will do it one day yeah you know i mean it will be it will be a musical it'll be the, the rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead of Oklahoma. exactly exactly yeah. we'll do that that can be our debut production totally. it's, we've you been know, talking about it and teasing it. it's it's not a half bad concept for like a one man 20 minute musical Definitely, like, and we can get it right. We can include the Native Americans. <laughs> and we can, we, That's really, I guess, really all these things, The all my asterisks are like, if I were to fix Oklahoma for 2012, yeah. these are the things, which yeah. I would never do because it's a period piece. Like, Right, exactly. And you can't, you know, laws say that you can't. But right, well, yeah, yeah that's, that too. that's the way. Now, the one I will agree with you on uh-huh. is, our, is our final one, uh-huh. um, but that is the role of women in the show. And I yeah. will... I agree with you on that. Now, to some extent, um, because I think Laurie's an interesting female character, mm-hmm. because, you know, in the opening, right at the opening, uh-huh. she sticks up for herself. Yeah. I, I think um, this now has a dated opinion of women, but mm. for 1940s and certainly for 1890s has yeah. a very progressive, forward-thinking uh-huh. opinion of women's say, role in society. Yeah, but I would say in Laurie's role, I yeah. wouldn't necessarily say in Adewani's role. I mean, so the the person I think of most as exemplifying a lot of this is actually Aunt Eller. Um, mm-hmm. Because almost every single one of her lines is this, like, double-edged comment and of course i can't like when she's looking through the 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 naked woman little wonder thing right Uh and she's like don't look at that let me see it um and all of her lines are like stop doing that now let me do it like stop breaking the rules here's how i'm gonna break the rules Uh and i do think i see in her in laurie in edo annie i see that kind of duality a little bit of like Here are the here are the rules. Here's how things should be, and here's how I'm bending them my way. Like even Ado uh-huh. Annie, certainly I can't say no. Certainly that kind of surface level message of like I'm gonna say yes to every man that comes my way, even if I don't want to say yes, uh-huh. um, is not a good message to begin with. But she uses it to her power in a lot of ways. Like she's got those two boys under control. Um, I mean. D- yeah, kind of. Does she have Ali Hakim under control? Yeah, I mean, I would say that's more uh, whatever her father's name is. Um, yeah, well, I can't remember either. The one with the but, gun, An- uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew Carnes. Um, uh, like, y- yes, I mean, <laughs> she she has them more under control than just the pure lyrics of "I can't say no" would lead you to believe. Yeah. Whether she knows it or not. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Just, I think, like, it's... That, like, I can't say no feels very much like the American... You know what I mean? That's right. your American standard, stick it on vaudeville, and it would work absolutely fine. Exactly. In a number. Yeah. Um, that, you know, until... 
we get to guys and dolls almost. Yeah. We yeah. don't really see Edoani's character get like, to a point of strength. Right, and like turned on its head. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Do you know what I mean? I, it's not, I don't condone it by any means. It's, you know, it, it's like the first tiptoe in that direction. I like, yeah. I feel it. It's mm-hmm. hard to point to their overt parts where I see it. Yeah, I know. I do know what you mean, but I do think like I'd say Laurie, and, and, and again, quite a lot of the characters in um, Rogers and Hammerstein shows, mm-hmm. the female characters anyway, have that, like you say, that kind of duality almost yeah. of you know the ability to love, but isn't ready to just give it up right. yet, and like you know? the the strength of independence. But then also getting the vapors and falling into the yeah, you know exactly, the Prince exactly. Charming's arms. It's not like I'm a hardened woman right. and I'm incapable of love. It's you know I've got it in me. You just right. need to exactly. get to the right stage, which you know is is very one is very one sided and it's very one track. But right. it was a much nicer way of portraying women than had yeah. been done before. Yes, Do you know what I mean as yeah, a yeah, lady, yeah. lovely. You know, right. here was a woman who women yeah. could look up to. Yeah, absolutely. And there's still plenty of that in this show. Um, there's still plenty of just overt poor treatment of women. The whole... Um, Oklahoma the dream- Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Oklahoma Hello, most of the Dream Ballet, um, whatever whatever that verse is in Everything's Up to Date in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, where, what is it? She goes all the... Uh, she took it about as far as she could go. Yes, um, exactly. Like, there's a lot of just you know, awful chauvinism going on here. Oh, damn right. But you know, it's the time. It's the time. It's the time. It's the asterisk. It's yeah. The, <laughs> it's the um, time. It doesn't make it okay, but that's why it happened. Doesn't make it what? Okay. <laughs> L-A-H-O-M-A. It's a pun. It is a pun. Is dead. A candle lights his head. He's laying in a coffin made of wood. What? And folks are Cause they used to treat him bad And now they know their friend has come for good Good. Poor Judd is dead A candle lies he's dead He's looking oh so pretty and so Looks like he's asleep It's a shame that he won't keep But it's summer and we're running out of us Now with Game Pass. So we mentioned the Dream Ballet just there. Yes. 
the yeah. dream ballet like this capital t the, capital yeah, d exactly. capital b the dream ballet this is your there's no you know this isn't your in time we're not talking meta musical here this is actually what it was called yeah um and it, because it was really it was the first it, it was, was the first appropriate this was the was first time that. this happened yeah uh-huh um and you know it's kind of like broadway pre- be prepared to see this for the next yeah god knows how many exactly. years <laughs> yeah in the in the same way that oklahoma created the form in every other way it mm. also had a dream ballet and then absolutely you can you it takes more than two hands to count how many dream ballets are in musicals now oh or had been in musicals now certainly it's fallen yeah. out of favor thank god yeah um, um do you know do you know what my favorite dream ballet is which one the pajama game yes yes because it's so ridiculous because it's this fantastic is, this is the pr- so okay there are what what there's a dream ballet in oklahoma there's a dream ballet in west side story there's a dream ballet in bye bye birdie there's a dream ballet in the pajama Carousel. game yeah and most of them save perhaps the dream ballet in oklahoma you may not have seen if you go see these shows because mm. nowadays they're just cut yeah, they're just it's like, like, oh my god, this is fifteen minutes long. Nope, <laughs> big X through Dream Ballet. But yeah. so you have to to understand the Dream Ballet. It's important to understand where we came from, and that mm-hmm. the previous musical theater form was a variety show vaudeville act, which may include a more legit dance piece, mm-hmm. just separate from everything else. And yeah. so, of course, it stands to reason that when you put a book on top of it, you keep the ballet. It's not like they added the ballet because they thought this was the best way to represent this moment. It's yeah. that the ballet was ex- it pre-existent and was folded into the form. Exactly, exactly. So it was Balanchine who kind of brought um, ballet onto Broadway mm-hmm. um, to use beautiful um, alliteration there. Uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, so it was, he kind of showed that, hey, this is, this is fun to see. You can do mm. this on, on Broadway. It doesn't all need to be soft shoe and, and tap dance. You can also yeah. do this kind of lovely artistic thing. Um, so I think it makes really logical sense for Agnes DeMille to then bring this in. Yes. To tell, you know, because she, she was extremely artistic. Um, so it, I, to me, it just makes a lot of sense for her to bring mm-hmm. the kind of highest art dance yeah. form. Yeah. Um, into this to tell a story and, and that you know ballet is narrative yes um but you know i think agnes de mill really i mean she created yeah this kind of subgenre of ballet of um, this kind of narrative like yeah really, like a really like legit a, a specific yeah it's yeah. a specific storytelling yeah um it's not that, it's not that, just like um the Nutcracker, where like yes, there is a story, but sometimes you reach that point where why are we still dancing? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. in you know the Dream Ballet, there's a story the whole way through. Yeah, and it's and it's a proper story. You know, what I mean, it's like yeah, you represent a wedding, and yeah. then you represent um the, a crashing of the wedding, and then you represent mm-hmm. a rape. Like yep. it's there's there's a lot yeah packed into that. Yeah, um, and it's not that long. Do you know no. what I mean? So you really need to be specific with what yeah. you're doing. And this is why the Dream Ballet in Oklahoma is not cut anymore, uh, or is not cut while others are, is because it is pivotal to the story. Exactly, Um, exactly. It may not progress the overt plot, but it certainly informs Laurie's character in a really important way. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's her her decision, you know, I mean, where now you would get um, a a solo, uh, that's where she basically decided to change her mind yeah um, exactly and make the right decision make the right yeah. choice um 
which is yeah it, i just think it's it's a really again a really interesting thing um yeah. how it's kind of fallen out of favor yeah oh i think it's fascinating because so i used to i think i used to misrepresent this and i don't know if i've said it on the podcast or we've just talked about it separately mm-hmm. but i used to say things like um ballet dream ballet is included in musical theater because it is as you said that higher art form that kind Mm. of legitimizing art form and musical theater doesn't take itself seriously enough and so feels like it needs this you know this like flag to wave to be like oh no 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 but we are art like right we're okay. we're legit yeah, yeah, yeah. we can yeah. do it like we got we got the fart jokes we got the sex jokes we got the body vaudeville nature but also mm-hmm. hi look it's it's a painting like mm-hmm. ooh the fancy um and i used to use that justification i think less so now mm-hmm. i think what really happened was i think th- that was true in a non-incendiary way and mm-hmm. we see the dream ballet fall out of favor because the high art was just represented in the other parts of musical theater. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely an extent of that. I mean, I feel like the only reason it was brought back in other shows was because Agnes Mill just hit the nail on the head and people were like, oh, wait, right. that's good. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Let's, yeah. let's do that. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's why it kind of perpetrated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, then, then you end up with the, the Dream Ballet in the Pajama Game. Would you like right. to describe the Dream Ballet in the Pajama Game? I was, so I've, oh, I was in the Dream Ballet in the Pajama Game. Oh, I you guys didn't burst- cut it? absolutely not why oh. would you cut it oh, oh my god it. if you're a director you cut it yeah we cut it oh <laughs> Most, we we cut that's it because like i'm not a, a great dancer. part of your number yeah i know you we cut it because i'm that's not the a thing, dancer though. like it doesn't need to be ballet we were yeah, i guess a that's ballet true. dancer like we just uh, popped out of a cupboard and i was dressed like rambo ugh. like do you know what i mean and it's that i'm not even gonna say anymore guys i'm not even gonna say anymore um, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It and like you, so as fun as it is, it's not necessary to the story. No, no, it's not necessary but it's really good fun. And it's, it's really good fun. Completely but you can literally game. like take the pages out of the script and no one will even know that you cut it. No. Well, MTI would. They'd be MTI there. would. MT- and, <laughs> They'd and slap a bell on your table and be like, M- MTI you would cancel his lunch plans <laughs> with Samuel French and exactly. fly to your high school just to reprimand you <laughs> just to um but no no i do know what you mean it is it is very superfluous yeah. um but uh yeah no i i, I do i do want to talk about why it's fallen out of favor and yeah. why so like why, na- why narrative choreography as a okay. whole i feel is kind of fallen out of favor okay um that's an because interesting me question. me being a, a big old fan of bobby big bob foss mm-hmm. we've not done any fosses oh no we did cabaret we did cabaret um <clears throat> You know, I, to me, he he was my first instance of being like, oh, wow, you can use dance to tell a story. That's mm-hmm. great. And then, you know, I learned more and realized, oh, quite a lot of people are doing that. Cool. Right. Um, but I feel like nowadays uh-huh. we're almost just getting back into, like, spectacle land. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's less, you're less using physicality and right. the body to yeah to show a story yeah. it's just like 
there's a story being told and there's some good music, so let's dance. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, uh, uh, we can easily point to something like Newsies where mm-hmm. we don't really need to jump up in the air and do synchronized Russian splits. Like, Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, the point is there. It's like, we're happy, so we'll dance. It's yeah. that completely classic Yeah. Exactly. Thing. And that um, you get to the point where you're three quarters of the way through the dance break and you're like, why, how did we get here? Yeah, completely. And I feel like I'm going to use an example from, from my um, book, but, uh, you know, from something like In the Heights, because yeah. I wrote In the Heights. I don't know if you know. I yes, wrote, I, I, I wrote you, are, you are Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, sorry to talk about him so much. Uh, but, <laughs> no, so kind of directing that and, and researching the original production, blah, 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 blah. There's so much amazing choreography in that, mm-hmm. right? And Black and Blue is fantastic. And it's the same mm-hmm. kind of issue that I had with the Hamilton choreography. Yeah. Um, it's, well, maybe not, maybe less with Hamilton. It, it kind of... Yeah. It, se- but, um, it seems more appropriate in In the Heights than Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so the the, the dancing, you know, it makes sense. It's, it's almost as diegetic dancing. I don't know right. if that's the term that you apply to it. Yeah. You're salsing but- in a club. But then there, I think there are moments in, in the Heights where mm-hmm. they're kind of missing out. And so... One of the things that you know we did in in my production, uh-huh. and again, I'm tooting my horn. I don't care if right. you don't hey, care about what I toot do. Toot your horn wide out loud. I'm tooting. Um, <laughs> was you know I love I love narrative choreography, and I like mm. being able to tell a story through dance. Um, so me and the other choreographers for like a number like Breathe, for example, uh-huh. we're like we want to tell the story of Nina's journey and how Nina feels oppressed by her community mm-hmm. um, through some lyrical contemporary dance. Yeah. Um, and it worked, in my opinion, and audience's opinion. It worked really, really well. Um, and I don't know why we don't see yeah. more of that. I mean, it's it's important. I think I'm some not saying of it... I'm a pioneer in that. I'm groundbreaking, <laughs> right? It, it does intrigue me why we don't see why more we don't see as much things like I, that on the stage. I do think some of it is, and we're overlooking this. Some of it is logistical, like. In the Oklahoma Dream Ballet, it's important to even just recognize that the people playing the characters are different actors. There's mm-hmm. a Dream Lori, there's a Dream Curly, there's a Dream Judd sometimes, mm-hmm. um, who aren't just the actual physical people who play those people through the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, because you can't expect that, right? I mean, maybe you can, if Billy well, Elliot th- has shown us anything. I, but that's um, the thing, is I think, I think you can. Like, if you look at Anything Goes, or, you know, any, any of the big dance shows that have been yeah. done recently, yeah. like, the, the actors can dance for the most part. Um, right. The, the talent, you can't say that the talent isn't there on I Broadway guess that's true. To, to do both. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wonder. Don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know whether it's just, again, like it's fallen out of favor. People right. think it's archaic. Yeah. And, um, and certainly all narrative choreography does not have to be ballet either. Because like, no, it would be exactly. easy to fall into Absolutely. the trap of like ballet is not as popular anymore because uh-huh. it feels old and stodgy, which is untrue, but it feels yeah. old and stodgy. Um, but you could do narrative choreography all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder if it is this move towards more realistic seeming musicals in some way. I yeah. think... It is easier to accept that someone breaks out into song, into non-diegetic song, than someone breaks out into mm-hmm. non-diegetic dance. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, because I feel, I feel like the last time it was done well, or, uh-huh. you know, certainly to my knowledge anyway, it was in a chorus line. Yeah. And that's just 70s. about dance, so that's still all kind of diegetic anyway. Yeah, but then, you know, I think they, you know, I'm a big, big fan of Chorus Line, so, but I think they took it 
Yeah, they they go an another extra level. level. They go, deeper. they go like, yeah, it's dancing, and here's dancing about dance. Right, um, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I can't think of anything. Nah, I can't think of anything that really this. like has an extended storytelling that's new. That's not just a revival. Because yeah. like certainly yeah, the revivals like, of West Side Story will have the Dream Ballet. Right. Ah, you know. uh-huh, completely, completely. It's like you, yeah, you don't even really get a big dance break. Yeah. You know, we do have <laughs> things like. Um, well, I gotta look at my dates. When was Pippin? Um, Pippin was seventies. When okay, so that's still kind of chorus line era. Yeah, exactly. Because um, of course, Fosse Pippin tells Pippin a bunch was of stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, it may, uh, I don't know. Cats. <laughs> Sorry yeah. to throw it out, but cats. Yeah, it has it. It is story. There are long, long dance numbers where we're trying really hard to tell a story. <laughs> Yeah, there's dream sequences in Evita. Maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber's cracked it. Yeah, that would be disappointing to me. He is the the founding father of narrative dance in the 21st century. And then, of course, there's the uh, 20-minute dream ballet sequence at the end of School of Rock. Um, It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) Joey Finn celebrating with all the kids. Oh, Oh, man. so yeah, why not? I want to know from everyone else. Where has all the think. narrative dance gone? Exactly. And then people are like, well, actually, there's a huge dance segment in uh, King of Boots, and there's a huge dance section in Blah Blah Blah. Recently, I think the only thing that I was like, oh, that's similar, was once. That would be the only time. Yeah. I mean, like, I wonder if it's just evolved into other things. Like, certainly yeah. there aren't, like, I wouldn't peg... Uh, Lion King is having big extended narrative dance breaks, mm. but I feel there is an essence of narrative choreography in the existence of Lion King. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I would agree. I feel it's rooted in the fact that it's portraying African culture. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's, you know, it's I mean, from so a African angle. culture has narrative choreography. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like and... Julie Taymor was like, "Oh, clearly, I know it's a great choreography." <laughs> Let's put. Yeah, no, yeah. she came at it from another angle. That's true. Gosh, Lang Chain's good. I've not thought about that in a while, but yeah, it's good. <laughs> I'm happy um, to bring it to you. Thanks very much, Dean. Rogers and Hammerstein. Richard Rogers, Oscar Hammerstein II, mm-hmm. the legends, the icons. Um, where like, would we be without them? Like peanut butter and jelly. Literally, where would we be without them? We I would mean, not have Stephen Sondheim. We would not have contemporary musical theater in so well, many Richard, different ways. We wouldn't have musical theater. Yeah, no, we wouldn't. Like, it just, <laughs> I mean, maybe something else, but like, we. We owe our podcast to them in a lot of ways. I, I, I owe my life to them. Like, yeah. there you go. Easy, yeah. easy I mean, as that. It's, it's <laughs> worth it. It's worth it to just say the list. Oklahoma, Carousel, State Fair, South Pacific, The King and I, Cinderella, Flower Drum Song, and The Sound of Music. Like, yeah. have you heard of any of those? Re- recognize any? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, pick the one you don't know. Is it Flower Drum Song? Good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. Fair. We all make mistakes. Right, um, yeah. But every single one of those is, like, ingrained in the popular culture. Like, there's completely. there's a Simps- there are a dozen Simpsons jokes about each one of those musicals. Mm-hmm. There's a dozen jokes. It, it, it features an all-popular, just literally all-popular culture yeah. will at some point reference an R&H musical yep. in some way or form. I'm sure that's the thing. It's like Rule 34. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But this is rule the, thirty-five. <laughs> r- rule rule thirty-five. The R and H rule. Exactly. Um, so the guys, let's talk about them. Let's talk about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. So interesting enough, they met. I think it's fated. I believe in divine intervention. Uh huh. And I believe the powers that be um, were like, we need musical theatre in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy called Jimmy Mitchell and Tommy Bleep um, <laughs> out there uh, who, you know, are going to owe their lives to this one day. So it's we true. need to make sure that we it, it works. We have to make this happen. Exactly. <laughs> and just little things like, um, you know, they both married someone called Dorothy. Um, <laughs> they both went to Columbia. Uh-huh. Um other things I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going to look up just now so I can put them in because it's interesting. I made a lot of notes on this today. Look. That's fabulous. Oh, yeah. So, right. Um, yeah, they both... Mar- not not even just women named Dorothy. Both interior decorators named Dorothy. <laughs> what is that about? Um, both their fathers are called William. Uh-huh. Right. Is that um, I mean? Is that how you most meet most people? Is you ask what their father's name is, and if they, if your friends? I mean, I don't, but I think I will now. <laughs> what's what's your father's name? I think <laughs> more than these coincidences, their writing styles melded the best together. Exactly, they didn't. And they, they didn't. And meet. they had discovered their writing styles before they met each other. Mm-hmm. which is totally the thing. So what is it? it this, they do lyrics, then music. That's their deal. Yeah, so they, that's that's the way that they work. So um, Rod, uh, Rich Rogers famously worked with um, Lawrence Hart uh, mm-hmm. on a myriad of amazing um, uh, shows, yeah. uh, including Paldre, which is a, a big favourite of mine, but which bothered and bewildered. We owe, you know, Rogers and yep. Hart. Yep. Um, and it's weird, actually, though, because... It, only until I started becoming a proper nerd mm-hmm. um, did I realize it was the same Rogers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? These are because these you are the crazy think, things. Because it, because it, Rogers and Hammerstein is one word. Yeah, you never right. think that you never it think could exist. Rogers and Hart. It's a different Rogers. Exactly, and it's the same like you know Kern and Hammerstein. That was never a, a duo name, but they did a show <laughs> together or a couple yeah. of shows together. So yeah, that's fine. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, yeah, Rogers worked with uh, Lawrence Hart, mm-hmm. uh, developed his own, you know, style, but they always did it where um, uh, Richie would write the music, send it over to uh, Lawrence Hart, and he would then attach his words to the music. So in a, a restricted way, mm-hmm. almost. Um, what they then did when Rogers and Hammerstein came together, uh-huh. um, because they both believed so, so much in the fact that what should come first is the story. Yeah. It's not the number, it's the story. It's the story. Um, and they both really, really believe that. Both advocates of characters and creating rounded characters. Um, and so already you've got a bit of magic happening there. Yes. Um, and they felt the best solution to do that would be to start with the lyrics first and yep. then attach the music. Yep. Um, and I'd be interested to know, in just in terms of people's or writing duos uh, of, of today, uh-huh. whether that's what they do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, as much as it's a joke, I think generally the contract comes first anyway. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> but do you know what i mean i, I mean like yeah. when it comes to the actual creative yeah. process um it, yeah I'd, I'd just be i'd be intrigued like what the what how the how songs come to be it's all that's always the question mm. when you've which got comes a duo. first music or lyrics but anyway, 
Yeah, so that's what they did, and it worked. It just worked yeah. very well. There's the kind of famous anecdote of... Um, so Oscar had written the lyrics to Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, gave mm-hmm. them over to Richard Rodgers, and apparently wrote it in about 10 minutes. Yeah. Because he was uh, just like, this makes perfect sense. Of course. Da, 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 da. Um, yeah. So as long as the song takes to sing, he had written the music. Yeah. And that's amazing. that's fabulous. And like it's when it when art is effortless like that, you know it's good. Um, yeah, completely. But interesting enough, they didn't. Do you know what I mean? They were very humble and very cagey. Mm-hmm. And I, I can I can totally see why because they were doing something new and risky. Yeah. Um, I, the, just even trying to comprehend that is crazy to me. Like, can you imagine inventing an art form? What that must feel like while right. it's happening. Like exactly. you, you but have just no feel, idea. Yeah, can you even do that nowadays? Like, and this, I mean, this is this is why I'm I'm gonna bring it up again, because um, like this is why I said Oklahoma hair comet. Yeah, because I feel like, and especially now having seen it, yeah, not not in the, the kind of holistic way. Yeah, that but um, Oklahoma had and, and created something new, uh-huh. but I just feel like it's it's the next swerve. Yeah, in what you can do with musical theatre. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I but think that's 100%. I think yeah, I think nowadays it's just really difficult. It's yeah. really difficult to well, do. That's our, that's our, that's post-postmodernism. This is, you know, mm. art studies and history studies. Like there is, not only is the, everything a remix, but everything is now a remix of a remix. Yeah, um, exactly. And, you know, also, there's a good chance Rodgers and Hammerstein felt that way too. Like, you don't know the thing that doesn't exist because it doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make me very much understand why they would be cagey, why they would be, you know, humble and not kind of toot their own horn because this is all new. They're like, they're, you know, pushing their way into the unknown world of book musical theater, which yeah. is crazy to think about now because it is not, we don't have to specify book musical theater anymore. We I mean know. musical theater. Yeah. Or you do like the new thing where you, you know, you're adjacent Robert Brown and you're presenting a, a song right. cycle. Do exactly. You know I mean? That's narrative. Yeah. Um, which is like a take on a take on a take on a different kind of art. Form. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so interesting to kind of look at how far we've come yeah. um, since those days. So yeah, we really, we owe the, we owe the boys. Yeah. Yeah. We were but the boys a lot. This is this is why we're talking about Oklahoma. It's really important. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think it is. It's that. It's kind of um, brush up your Shakespeare to, <laughs> to borrow a, yeah, a different. Exactly. Um, like you don't you don't have to like Oklahoma. Either, Most people, Jimmy excluded, don't like Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, and do you know what? I do have I do take issue with it because so it was interesting. You know, when we in my theatre company that I had was with at uni. Um, we would every year when it came to like deciding the show uh-huh. every year um i would be pushing oklahoma uh-huh. and it would get into the final four and instantly be poo-pooed and <laughs> because they were like well listen yeah. no yeah. um and i just find i think it's a big shame yeah because I, like some of the most fun i've had at a theater mm-hmm. has been seeing oklahoma yeah i i i yeah i see that Disagree. i wonder <laughs> i wonder even like I even think Oklahoma is an important enough piece that th- that alone is is enough reason to produce it nowadays. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's like a museum piece. It's like taking yeah. your granddad out for a walk. 
Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's important Oklahoma to do. is a lot like taking your granddad out for a walk. I think that's I mean? a really accurate description of how yeah. Oklahoma feels. There's nothing wrong with it. It's important to do. <laughs> and on that note... That was Oklahoma. We have a quiz question for next week's musical. (laughs) You ready for this? Absolutely. Which musical contains Broadway's premier prosthetic kick line? Hmm. Hmm. If you want the answer to that before the podcast comes out, you should check our Twitter on Tuesday night. We're trying a new thing where we're going to tweet the answer before we release the podcast so it gives you a chance to listen to the musical beforehand exactly thank you sharon for giving us that idea that wonderful suggestion and thank you all again to our uh the people we chatted with it was fun oh yeah yeah um tommy what is our show twitter where will they Uh, find this answer if you'd like to find this answer you can find it on twitter the show twitter twit twit twitter the show twitter yeah the show Twitter is Jim and Tomic on Twitter. Uh, I am Tommy. I'm at Musical Mash on Twitter or Musical Theater Mash on YouTube. And I am Jimmy and I am as in Hendrix on Twitter and YouTube. And all of this information is on our website. That's jimandtomic.com. And there's a link to the Reddit discussion. And I'm trying really hard to be there. I promise I will be there. Exactly. The people are wanting you, Mr. T. Um, And please, uh, if you are listening on iTunes, um, it would be lovely if you could pop on over and give us a little rating. Even if you want to write a review, that would be fantastic. Just just lovely. Mm. That's all we got. We'll see you next week. Indeed. We'll see you next week. Ciao. Bye-bye. We need more state-themed musicals, maybe. I'm really exactly. excited. What would you do for South Dakota, exclamation point? <laughs> what would be involved in that? Uh, I want you to name one fact about South Dakota. Um, it's... Is it above North Dakota? Is that a thing? <laughs> no, it's below North it's below. Dakota. I, I thought that might have been a weird thing. No. <laughs> Oh, God. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.